I didn't take the fish from the goddamn water. The fishermen of the British Isles who came to Newfoundland during the summer months was codfishing people. The problem of survival. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Blank. We'll figure a name out soon. Yes, we will probably, hopefully, have a name, maybe even by the end of this episode, and I'll just re-record this line. This is our second week? Yes, it is. I am one of your hosts, uh, Drew Brown, uh, Editor-in-Chief and uh, sole employee of the Newfoundland and Labrador Independent, and uh, joining me today is Andy Bullman. Chef, librarian, stand-up comic... Hey, um, I don't have a full-time job. <laughs> <laughs> Underemployed journalist, just like so many of us. Even that might be generous. Uh, <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, um, unfortunately, Jen is uh, in Toronto this weekend. She went with my mother to a share concert. Um, let's keep her in our prayers. Uh, I'm so jealous. I hope she plays Gypsy, Tramps, and Thieves. That I, you know a what? jam. I'm sh- next week, I'm sure we can get the full lowdown. I'm sure it'll be a really great story. We could just do a whole episode on that. <laughs> yeah, just like, tell us about the Cher concert. But unfortunately, we have headier matters to discuss. Uh, unlike Cher's back catalog, we're going to be talking about provincial politics in Newfoundland and Labrador, which is almost as exciting, definitely not as sexy. Uh, I think it's nice that you think Cher's sexy. <laughs> I think I think that's really... Well, you know... You have to feel so secure in your masculinity to say that. <laughs> I'm really <laughs> impressed. Guys... Donate to the independent. <laughs> really secure mail runs the independent. <laughs> All right. I didn't think I was actually going to be shattering so many boundaries today, but here we go. <laughs> All right. Where, where are we going now? What is happening? Let's start with talking about the house was sitting this week. Can you explain to people what that means when the house is uh, when the house is not sitting? Pardon me. Right. So basically, this was a constituency week, which is where they give all the MHAs time off to go back to the districts that they're from and do some of the, maybe the outstanding work for their uh, voters and constituents that they haven't had a chance to do since it's been sitting. Uh, it's a bit of a weird thing to do in the fall sitting, I think, because they're only there for about four to five weeks anyway. But we're giving them a week off, which it's fine. Uh, so, it's, yeah. so it's not a normal procedure to have this week off. This is an extra bonus. Time. Well, yeah. So basically, like, usually, like, when they do sit, they'll get, like, one week throughout the sitting to, uh, to basically, like, do this kind of, like, outstanding work, I guess. But uh, it, it makes a bit more sense in the spring where they'll be sitting for, like, 12, 13, 14 weeks or so to take sort of, like, a midterm break off, I guess, for politicians. But, uh, yeah, it's a bit stranger when it's you're only sitting for a month anyway. Not to be incredibly suspicious of the politicians, but um, may I be suspicious of the politicians for a minute? I think that's okay on this show. Great. Do they go back and actually do work, or do some of them stay in their house and watch Netflix? How do we know? Is do they keep office hours? I really, I'm, I'm quite serious. Um, I mean, I think I, generally, like, 
I, I imagine that they are doing some work through like their constituency office. Like I'm sure if you called the home district office of whoever, like you could probably get a good record of like the sort of problems they're dealing with and like where the MHA has gone. Usually they're like always tweeting their location too. So if they go home for the weekend, um, and so they okay yeah so we can keep yeah. track of it a yeah bit. yeah generally like i think i i mean i think this this I, I think it's pretty reasonable to assume that they are actually out doing as much work as they can reasonably do that's so generous of you <laughs> yeah i know I mean, it's really <laughs> You're a generous guy um yeah. do you think that if someone regular human being like myself in a in a district wanted to meet with my member can i is that possible i think so yeah i mean this would be a good week to do it, it generally like it depends on sort of um, the problem that you're dealing with and uh, whether or not they're able to help and whether or not they think they'll be able to help. And I think, yeah, so I, I generally, like I, MHAs, I think, are generally, or at least their offices are pretty responsive. I don't know what many of them can actually, it, I guess it depends on like what you're contacting them about. Um, so will the house be sitting next week? Yeah, so they're supposed to come back for at least one or two final days, I think, next week, the 2nd or 3rd of December is when they're lifting for Christmas they are basically at this point the one thing we're sort of left for the fall session is the fall fiscal update where they tell us oh so convenient they left that for the last day yeah <laughs> i mean bad you know, news we're all gone yeah well yeah there's definitely that does sort of seem to be the likely case of why they're bringing it on the last possible day and then leaving for four months uh it's difficult to see any other interpretation of why the fall fiscal update is coming at the last possible second what do you what do you think it's going to be how bad uh, you know, it's 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 really hard to tell. I think it won't be bad in that like I don't think they're I gen like I really don't get the sense that they're gonna start like cutting things and like doing austerity because they well, uh personally it's I think it's a bad idea, but it also seems like they have sort of been discussing it like like Tom Osborne basically came out and said like the twenty sixteen budget caused too many problems, so that's not the road that they want to take again. Well, they made a lot of silly decisions, like a uh, book tax and cutting libraries. Obviously, not going to go well. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, it was sort of like it's not where we save money. We don't, we don't save money there. Yeah, it, it wasn't make... necessarily. Even if you sort of accept that cuts need to be made, blah blah blah, it wasn't necessarily the most well thought out plan of cutbacks. Uh, so it's I don't know. On the one hand, the government has told us that like they won't do that. On the other hand, how much do you trust the liberal government right now to? do the things that it has been saying that it's going to do or not do the things that it said that it's not going to do since we've sort of been down this road before. Uh, so that's our update with the house. Bad news is coming. <laughs> uh, yeah, pr probably. I would brace yourself at least uh, to find out more about how we're totally not going to be back in surplus by 22-23. Um, that was almost certainly a fake number. <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, that's I think that's like that'll be the biggest news where they like officially confirm what everybody already knows anyway. But who knows what other surprises will be lurking in the fall fiscal update when it shows up next week. What else happened this past week? Um, well, the biggest thing that sort of happened is while our MHAs were off on their breaks, um, the Premier and the Prime Minister got together, I think, in Ottawa for a meeting about Muskrat Falls rate mitigation. Oh, right. This is the dark cloak and dagger secret room. Yeah. Like, so basically, um, Muskrat Falls electricity prices have been sort of like the elephant in the room for at least two years or three years when they finally confirmed it was happening, even longer if you paid attention at the beginning. 
So now we're finally at a point where we actually are going to have to start paying for this, uh, in theory, but we'll talk a little bit about that problem later. So basically, there have been like three or four different rate mitigations plans that the government has proposed. Like last fall in the by-election, when Paul Antle was running, they were like, you won't have to pay for Muskrat Falls. Like the ratepayer will never pay for Muskrat Falls or whatever. Um, or trying to pretend that like the ratepayer and the taxpayer are like different sets of people, even though there's like only one category of people that use electricity and it's like the same pool. So there was like that first one. Um, then right before like the, the election came, like both the Tories and the Liberals put out their like rate mitigations plans, which were like, we're going to save a bunch of money through like X, Y, and Z which they may or may not save depending on how much you trust the calculations and like whether or not you assume Holy Rood will be shut down. So back to this um, meeting for a second. What do yes. we know? We know that it was secret. Yes. We know well, that Well, we know we know that it happened and we know that they talked about Muskrat Falls and that they talked about how there should be a deal to avoid bad things and that some good news will eventually come possibly in January. I don't think, I feel like that's not enough information for us. I, and I also feel like this meeting was so, I just picture them like drinking out of goblets made from human skulls and making secret o oaths together. I, I mean, know. it's very Byron -esque. I mean, I mean, to be fair, <laughs> most of that decor and setup is probably left up from the Harper years, but I do definitely <laughs> think that like that is definitely the protocol for like intergovernmental meetings. Now I think there's a good like human skull yeah. goblet clinking and uh, everyone gets down to business. Yeah. Blood oaths and secret. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, yeah. So like it's at, at issue is sort of like every one of the iterations of the government's like rate mitigation plans has relied on like the federal government basically either giving us $200 million a year or finding the equivalent savings of $200 million a year. Nobody, like, nobody... Why would the federal government bail us out of a mistake that our government made? Well, that's a really good question that nobody seems to really be able to find an answer for other than it would be bad if they just left it. Right. Um, so our fingers are crossed. So best case scenario... The government screwed up by building Muskrat Falls. It's going to be very, very expensive. Best case scenario, we are bailed out by the federal government. Well, basically, yeah. The best case scenario is they just give us a blank check. Worst case scenario is they bail us out with some conditions attached. What kind of conditions? <laughs> uh, I mean, I mean, there's sort of like uh, some of the people locally that talk about this um, have mentioned like one possible future is like what happened to Saskatchewan in the early 90s, which is basically they ran out of money and the banks in New York were going to close down the province until there was like a last minute deal where they didn't go bankrupt, but they still had to close everything down in the province in exchange for uh, keeping some other minor government services. So it's like that's sort of like the bad future um, of like if the province actually goes bankrupt. I don't necessarily think that's going to happen, but I mean, we might be... I don't know what kind of conditions the feds might ask for. Like, they might sort of, like, extend our mortgage on Muskrat Falls in exchange for, like, we're not allowed to spend that amount of money anymore. I don't, you know what I mean? Like they All might our firstborn children. Rumpelstiltskin. Yeah, you know, they might sort of, like, put it in, like, a clause that's, like, you can't make a mistake of this magnitude ever again. Okay. All your sons and daughters have to come to Upper Canada. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Where were we? Well, I guess our theme this week is hydropower <laughs> so and the <laughs> many the many fun ways that hydropower is impacting our lives these days. Uh, so we started with a secret meeting from 
the Premier and the Prime Minister over what to do about this massive Nalcor project that's gone horribly off the rails. And also, we got a new update from Nalcor about how this huge Nalcor project has gone horribly off the rails. Um, so, that that update. Um, so, Nalcor CEO, Stan Marshall... Um, not as bad a guy as Ed Martin. No, I mean, in that, like, well, he's definitely more likable and seems to be actually qualified in that in his previous life, Stan Marshall was in charge of hydro-related projects. Whereas uh, Ed Martin came from the oil, oil, and, oil gas and gas industry, industry, which apparently gives you a carte blanche to do whatever resource project you want in the province. Cause he was, yeah, it's just as, a yeah, monopoly I mean, guy. He I mean, just... it makes sense because, like, oil is the most important resource, so therefore all other resources of lesser importance could be done by oil people. Ugh. This is what I can only assume was the thought process behind the last 13 years of the provincial government. I just feel like the people hiring him were like, oh, he's a rich white guy like us, so he must be the right man for the yeah, job. Yeah, I mean, it's, I, I, I sort of got the impression that it's like less of a hiring process and more like the boys met at the back of the governor and sort of did some napkin math and said, who wants which job on the board? Oof. <laughs> so now, of course, CEO Stan Marshall, not as... Ed Martin says that the transmission lines. We almost certainly cannot say that. <laughs> oh, sorry. Uh, I I'll apologize. That is okay. <laughs> Don't sue me. Um, so now, of course, CEO Stan Marshall, um, most likely not a crook. I can say that. Yes, definitely. Okay. <laughs> he is most likely not a crook. Most likely not a crook. He says the transmission lines, which will bring electricity from Masquerade Falls to uh, the Avalon Peninsula, will come online in 2020. Mm -hmm. But an independent consulting firm hired by the province cast an enormous amount of doubt by saying that that is an impossible thing, that we will not have power transmitted to Newfoundland in 2020 by Muskrat Falls. Yeah. So basically, it's a question of, like, who do you trust more, the Nalcor management uh, collective or the consultants who the government has basically put in charge of figuring out how to pay for Muskrat Falls? Oof, as someone who doesn't make very much money, they both just seem like monocle-wearing. <laughs> like, I don't trust either of them. Well, yeah, well, yeah maybe uh, who do you trust more is the wrong word. But, I mean, it does sort of stand to reason that, I, I don't know, I mean, maybe this is a bit cynical of me, but I sort of assume, like, at this point, that, like, anytime anybody tells me that Muskrat Falls is, like, things are going fine and actually ignore the bad news, like, mm -hmm. to me, that's, like, I don't know. Not a super vote of confidence, um, especially because like General Electric has had a lot of issues with this software in the past and other parts of the world. If our power isn't transmitted from Masquerade Falls in 2020, what's the fallout for Nalcor? Is there a penalty? I just, I, I'm just hoping that if they're saying things and it doesn't happen, that there's some sort of repercussion. I mean, I honestly have no idea. There haven't been any repercussions so far. I don't know what's going to happen if it turns out that we're another two to three years behind schedule not in terms like in, in terms of like there'll be power generated in labrador we just won't have a way to get it to the island which was the whole point of the project so is are the current our our current power comes from holy rood is that right I yeah really so know. like it's a mixture of like holy rood and then there's like some different small hydro stations around the province if they need to last um, a couple more years can they uh that's actually a really good question particularly like the hydro facilities in the province i think are fine the like holy root is sort of the open air question like nobody really knows how much longer it's got it's quite bad there um it's like sort of on life support already like they're kind of just like it's it really should not be open still but we have to keep it going till <sighs> so I, yeah <laughs> so the repercussions might be for ordinary people 
who have to sort of make it through more dark and owl. Yeah, basically. Yeah, it's, it's it's basically we're still in the situation where like the power grid is not that reliable and yeah like we still all these sort of issues that muskrat falls was like meant to tackle still are not being tackled um yeah Um, so even the good things about it are not going to impact are not going to hit us yet still for another i mean nelcor says this winter um the liberty consultant group says like 2022 23 i i have no idea what to think um honestly part of me thinks maybe later is better because that means our electricity rates won't go up until later but i actually also don't know i'm sure there's a horrible thing that happens if we miss the deadline because there's always a horrible thing that happens if we miss the deadline here (laughs) okay (laughs) well well, i'll just (laughs) sleep really well tonight with all this new information (laughs) I guess yes. I'm going to knock on wood for the Holy Rood yep, no, knock on power wood. station. Yeah, knock on wood for basically every energy source you can think of in the province right now and hope that it's a pretty tame winter like it was last year in the East Coast. Anyway, the West Coast got no break. Our last item that we wanted to discuss this week, too, also has to do not so much with hydro, but still a little bit hydro. Um, and that's the p- fact that we placed last in Efficiency Canada's energy scorecard. Yes. So um, Energy Efficiency Canada did a nationwide uh, test um, of where to see where all the provinces stood on uh, energy efficiency issues. And I think out of a scale of 100, BC came first with like 56 points. Um, and Newfoundland and Labrador was dead last with 15 out of 100 points for energy efficiency, which is not good if you're worried about your electricity bills heating your house, but uh, is good if you need to create a bunch of jobs in the economy because you have to refit every single building in the province, apparently. Uh. <laughs> um, you know, in the optimistic Green New Deal, <laughs> there'll be jobs for everyone in the transition sort of way. It's, you know, that's the silver lining. Uh, billions of dollars of construction work to do. <laughs> that really sounded like good news in my head. I'm Did so sorry. It, you, you, yeah. Wow. I I think you've been sitting in the house yeah, for too I've, long I've, because I've, my brain is completely warped. Your 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 ability to send us optimism <laughs> is. I know you think it's coming out of you, but yeah, it, it's no, not. It's, <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna need to get this calibrated. I think. I think so too. Yeah, you need to just. I don't know how you can fix this, but <laughs> I think you should try. <laughs> um, yeah. Right. So last place in Efficiency Canada's energy scorecard. Uh, I also want to point out, I think that we're last by a lot. Yeah. I think the next, the the one above us is at least like in the 30 point yeah. range. I think for sure we're like, we're, we're really far behind, like way in the back. Yeah. Like we're going to get lapped shortly, like Mario Kart. Yeah, we are. Absolutely. So... How can the province address that? New jobs in well, yeah, energy. I mean, appa- yeah, apparently nobody likes to suggest that we just have to refit a bunch of buildings. <laughs> uh, I mean, that's my... I mean, yeah, ultimately it's basically like better construction standards, more heat pumps and houses. Like, Can I ask a naive question? Absolutely. Okay. Um, if we're last yes. with 15 out of 100... Could the province invest more money in in solar? Well, not solar energy because we never see the sun here. But could we <laughs> invest more money in in wind energy? I, I, I've had a few people explain to me why we don't have wind energy in this province. Yeah, and it seems like an arbitrary law was made at some point, and that's why we don't have it. Um, I think that's definitely a big part of it. I mean, a big part of it too is that like historically, 
it has been harder to like capture like wind energy hasn't been as reliable you need like lots of batteries and there's sort of like there's sort of like technical questions it was quite expensive but like those questions like that the costs are coming down so much like it's accelerated so much the energy uh yeah, I'm from Prince Edward Island, and one third of the island is now on wind energy. Yeah, um, I mean, it's yeah, it's definitely like it's not a technical issue anymore here. It's definitely an issue of political will. Um, so, would that change our ranking? Uh, I mean, that's that's a good question. I'm not sure. Like, I'm not sure. Like, energy source is where the efficiency issue is. Like, I think it's, it's in like, our old houses and yeah, the way and things like, are built. Like and... our gas guzzling vehicles. Like, I think. Right. Yeah. Like we we have like the most vehicles per capita in the country. I think in this province. One thing that I've been really struggling with. Um, I often, on my way to work, um, pass the Confederation Building. Right. And the parking lots are completely full of vehicles. So I've been really fascinated with this idea of um, doing a request for information to get everybody's postal code and see how many people who work in Fe Confederation Building live within a bus stop or live a 20-minute bike ride away. Because I think that'd be really interesting because change needs to come from the top. Yeah. needs to come from the people <laughs> who work at the university, who, need, who work at the Confederation Building. And I think a lot of these people aren't commuting, you know, not commuting yeah. responsibly. No, I, I, I totally hear you. It's, it's funny, actually, because in the budget lockup this year, I think basically somebody asked about like, I think it might have been Dave Meyer at the Telegram sort of asked Tom Osborne, like, what are you going to do about the, you know, like we, we need to talk about like climate change policy in this province. Seriously, what are we going to do about transit? And uh, I think Tom Marshall's response is like, well, you know, how many people here took a car? You guys all took cars here. So, you know, you got to fix that first. And it's like really frustrating when you hear the government say that because it's like, right, that's fine, except you're the government and you make the laws and you make things happen or not happen. So it actually seems like you're the one that's got to do it, something. It about has this to problem. come from you and then it'll come from us. Mm -hmm. I, I yeah. think I'm, I'm very curious to know what the sort of responsible transit use is in the confederation building i think yeah. a lot of those people drive expensive hard on <clears throat> gas vehicles to work when they maybe live in the east end some of the people for I sure mean, yeah i mean there's this and yes people have families and yes yeah. there's lots of reasons why you do need to take a car but i i i think that that's a yeah i mean it's it's definitely not as easier to get there by bus as it could and should be mm -hmm. um and yeah i mean this is like there's definitely a car culture issue in the province just period mm -hmm. Um, so a friend of mine, uh, from Winnipeg, James Wilt, he's working on a book about like transit across Canada. And, uh, so he, when he was in St. John's in the summer, he was like, I'm gonna take the Metro bus. And I'm like, oh my God, no. <laughs> um, so anyway, I mean, it was, it was really fine. He enjoyed the bus service and the bus here is definitely, it's the bus's service oh. here is definitely Im improving. But um, it's so bad. If yeah. you've got, my husband has a saying, if you got something to do, don't take the two <laughs> because yeah. it doesn't go anywhere. Well, no, and I mean, that was basically, that was like his, that was his conclusion, right? Like we live up by like, I don't know, like Higgins Line, Portugal Cove Road, Newfoundland Drive. And like, it took him like an hour and a half to get from downtown back to the house, which is like 30 minutes longer than it actually takes to walk. Yeah. Um, and one other thing that he did notice is like when they were sort of sitting at a bus stop, and this is something I haven't been able to stop thinking about since he told me, but he was like, yeah, like one thing that's really weird around here is like, it's just all single vehicle people. Like it's just like every car you look in, it's like a single driver, nobody else. So you'll see all these like big SUVs going on with like one person in it. And since he said that, I have not been able to like stop noticing. And it's actually, it, it is actually, it's totally true. It's, it's, it's crazy. It's just people drive. It's like single people like <laughs> driving around these giant like tanks everywhere by themselves, which is like, this is and, so fucked. <laughs> yeah. And having big cars makes sense in a certain way because yeah. of the moose population, because of the dangerous roads. Yeah. But 
fill those big vehicles with people. Yeah, well, I mean, it's sort of like if, if you're living in the St. John's Metro, you don't need an SUV. You like you don't. do not you do not need like an SUV or like a truck unless you're like literally working as a contractor or like it's your job. Yeah, I've only seen one moose in this city, and it made the news. <laughs> yeah, and, <laughs> you, you know, know, like technically like, you shouldn't be shopping you know, downtown. And technically, like, you shouldn't be driving anywhere <laughs> in the city where you'd be going fast enough that if you saw a moose, you couldn't stop in time. Uh, yeah, maybe an unpopular opinion, but that's just me. Yeah. <laughs> um, but so yeah, it's, car it's, culture is a big part of this yeah, problem. Yeah, definitely, for sure. I mean, it's, yeah, it's like, it's, it's, I mean, the energy efficiency problem in Newfoundland, I think, is, is as much like a mindset problem as anything else. It's just like, it's only, re like, nobody thought about, like, energy efficiency considerations until super recently. And it's also, it's more of a factor of, like, I don't want my bills to go up yeah. more than, like, I want to conserve electricity and, and save the planet or whatever. And there's a lot of talk. There's a lot of new development um, being pitched in the city right now which is uh, super depressing. And, uh, <laughs> I mean, you know, like development can be good in theory. It's just, it's so rare for us to see. For well, yeah, it's just, it's really rare for us to see like publicly, like public interest oriented development. Yeah. yeah. And, and energy efficient buildings. That's not something we really see here either. Not No. People aren't, the people construct cheap, fast buildings. It's really <laughs> depressing. I, is that, is that again a, a mindset thing? Is that, how come we don't care? How come we don't care I mean, that we're last? That is a really good question. I actually don't have an answer to it uh, at yes. this other... I mean, yeah, I mean, I it's guess definitely... I it was rhetorical. It's, I'm just angry. <laughs> I mean, I think it's it's a cultural thing, right? Like, people... I don't know. Um, we've all been sort of sold, like, everyone's got to go live in the suburbs. And that's, like, that's life. It's, like, your life is, like, you, a series of aspirations of, like, car, house, significant other, mm -hmm. job, retirement, maybe, a couple vacations, yeah. some nice stuff in your house. Um not necessarily all of those things are like possible or even compatible with like a good life for everybody that has to live in the same space yeah. um i mean suburbs generally produce the most like antisocial and like warped politics and like social consciousness of all so yeah. i don't know that's just me i think that was a pretty reasonable answer to my angry question <laughs> well that's good that's you yeah. know i try to give a good educated guess every now and then <laughs> I think that's pretty much everything we wanted to tackle. Yay. Okay. <laughs> Great. We got to work on that optimism. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know. It's, uh, I'm, I am, I am working on it really slowly. It's, uh, you know, it's a lifetime of justified cynicism I'm trying to break with here. So baby steps. Yep. Um, I guess, should we revisit our something liked? Yes, definitely. Okay, so politics are depressing, and they make everyone sad, and the province doesn't have a lot of hope right now because the government keeps making bad decisions. That's what I'm learning. It definitely <laughs> does seem to be a recurring theme, yes. So, Something Light is where we talk about something light that we are doing this week to make ourselves feel better. How did you do with your last week, Something Light? Uh, I completely failed to take up any new sketching. I don't have any sketching pencils. That's something I actually apparently... Apparently, you need pencils to draw. Uh, but anyway, instead, I, uh, I've been on a really big sci-fi kick lately. I've been reading a lot more than I have recently. Like, I, I finished, uh, last weekend I read Ursula K. Le Guin's The Dispossessed for the first time. I love which is like, it's, it's such, such a great it's book. It's such an awesome book. It's so good. It's really good. And, like, 
it's yeah so i'm really glad i finally read that and then like i finally picked up a copy of like dune because i've been meaning to read it for forever and now i'm like i'm on such yeah. a kick so i'm like fuck it i'm just gonna read dune it's gonna be awesome and i repotted one of my trees in a new bonsai pot okay that's super responsible okay. good for you, you yeah know, i mean no sketching <laughs> but i did some other stuff yeah um if you like the dispossessed you should read the sirens of titan by kurt Vonnegut. sweet i will definitely it's, track it's that like down very same family excellent yeah, it's good, good. I love this, like, anarchist alien anthropology stuff. Like, yeah, get in there. So good. Yeah. <laughs> it's a nice place to live. Yes. Um, I was supposed to go see uh, the Mr. Rogers movie. Um, I did. It's super joyful. Um, it's really great because Tom Hanks does... It focuses on what sort of like a positive weirdo Mr. Rogers was. I snuck in two cans of wine and they looked like juice, so nobody called me on it. Amazing. It was so nice. And then I stick, I uh, paid for a second ticket. I went and saw Frozen 2 with a bunch of seven-year-old girls. <laughs> Just me in the theater by myself and families. Good. <laughs> I felt lonely, but also it was a great movie. Uh, well, so. that, that's good. That, yeah. I was about to ask how Frozen 2 stacks up to Frozen. Uh, just not quite as good, but some of the songs are great and... You know, the animation was much better. Okay, well, that's, you know, that's that's that sounds pretty great. What is there something like this week? Oh, man, that's a good question. Um, probably going to read a little bit more and generally, like, uh, clue up all the outside gardening stuff I've got to get ready. So I've got to dig a couple, like, um, holes for, like, some of my bigger bonsai trees outside because I don't want to, like, leave the pot out because then the ground might freeze, the tree could die. So I have to, like, bury their pots in my vegetable garden. Uh... Yeah, uh, I'm really into trees, actually. So I'm, something I'm just like learning over the last couple of years, and as I continue talking about how into trees I am. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, I'm going to. Uh, I found this thing on YouTube, and it is uh, ladies who do a sweaterathon. So they have 24 hours to shear a sheep and turn that into sweaters, and you can watch it live. Uh, and it's supposed to be really peaceful. So I'm going to try to do that and make stew. That sounds amazing, actually. Yeah. I'm probably also going to have to start throwing that on in the background of my house when yeah, I, I do anything. Yeah, someone told me it was incredibly soothing. To, um, hmm. So I guess I'm going to do that. Excellent. I mean, I think like watching soothing material exercises on YouTube is a definite phenomenon. I don't know what it speaks to, why we need to see people doing manual labor to relax, but... Yeah, I get weirded it. out by the kids who watch other kids play toys. <laughs> I'm like, this is a I weird mean, uh, it's, you know, it's, I mean, growing up, I used to go on, like, forums and read about other people playing video games. So, like, it's I the same. It's the same. It's a game, the same general uh, thing, I guess. But, yeah, I mean, it's definitely, like, weird and voyeuristic, and I'm definitely not, like, a normal person, so maybe that's not, like, the best example. So that's our something light, and yay, we're done. Yay! All right, so that was um, this week on TBD uh, show that we're working on. If you have a name for a title, actually, that would be great. You should definitely uh, send it along. Send us all other feedback, because that's how the show is going to work. We're just going to listen to what the audience wants and try to deal with it, and hopefully it'll be a better show. And you can donate to The Independent. Yes, you can also donate to The Independent because we are actually donation only. So we require the donations from listeners and uh, readers like you. So if you could go to uh, theindependent.ca slash upthindie, I think is the name of our uh, donation site. It's a tab at the, at the top of the website. You can't miss it. Uh, it'll give you the opportunity to either become a recurring monthly donor or a one-time donor. And in the future, we hope to give you some nice things in exchange for becoming a monthly donor. Possibly t-shirts, 
you will find out in the future. This has been the Newfoundland and Labrador Independent Podcast. My name is Drew Brown, Editor-in-Chief of The Independent. I was joined today by Andy Bullman, um, cook, writer, librarian, and underemployed journalist. And again, joining us in spirit was my sister Jen, who has by now, I guess, enjoyed her share concert. And uh, we were produced this week by Luke Quinton in his wonderful home studio. So thanks to everybody that made this happen, and thanks to everybody who's listening. Peace. Thank you.